1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm going to be talking about something really important today, something that, uh, well, it's meaningful for any of those that want to be or currently are in a romantic relationship. We're talking about how to bring the spark back, also known as how to not let the spark go. So this is something that you might want to think about preventatively, or it might be something that's going to be a necessary fix. So we'll be talking about that. And, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a question for us, drop it in the DMs on our Lovelet IG page, whatever you're wondering about. we got an answer for you, so put them in there. Always anonymous, always confidential. Just drop it in there. We'll decide if it's... <laughs> Worth putting on the show when in doubt, ask it out, you know, Um, which is actually a dating tip. I tell people when in doubt, go find out, when in doubt, ask them out. You never know. We know from the research, you got to have an experience of someone. Those searchable qualities, the details we can list in a profile, are meaningless. Self report, which is what that's based on, talking about yourself, is one of the least reliable methods. So uh, go have an experience of someone if you think they're attractive, but uh, we're not talking about that tonight. So let's get into the topic. How do I bring that spark back, that magic, that chemistry, that fire? Well, surprise, I'm going to give you the uh, cliff note version before we get into the more expanded version. Don't ever let it go. Oh yeah. But here's the other part. You got to first have it. If you don't have it, it's very possible it's not going to emerge. So Build committed and monogamous relationships with people that you have sexual compatibility and chemistry with. So let's get into the main topic. If you're in a relationship with someone, it doesn't matter at what stage, and all of a sudden, you feel as though that spark is gone. And again, we're operating from the idea that it was there at some point. If it was never there, I can't make it there. I can't get it there. I can't put it there. Even as a certified sex therapist, one of a few hundred in the world who's written books on this topic and done this work for two decades, I can't create a spark that's not there. I can help us dismantle the barriers. I can help us overcome obstacles. I can help us... I can help people capitalize on what already was or is Um, we can create the conditions we can amplify what exists, but we can't create chemistry. That was never there. We cannot create compatibility. That was never there. And I'm thankful for that. I don't want to be able to do that. Those are people that are meant to be friends. So for those couples that did at some point have chemistry and compatibility, this is what we're talking about. So the first thing is if it's gone, do not panic. Don't panic. It is, believe it or not, a common and expected stage. Let me say another qualifier. It's a common and inevitable and expected stage of every monogamous relationship, because that's what we're talking about. Non-monogamous relationships, it's actually a different scenario, a different case, a different situation. We'll talk about that on another show. But for the monogamous couples or those that are poly and they're thinking about one specific couple, or I'm sorry, one specific relationship they're in, don't panic. It's inevitable. And people panic though. They think, oh my God, it's gone. Oh my God, it's never coming back. Oh my God, there's nothing we can do. Yes, again, as long as it had been there at some point, there is work we can do. If it's never been there, y'all weren't meant to be in a romantic relationship necessarily. you know. No matter how much we wanted it to work, it doesn't mean we always can. Talked about that on other shows, we will again, but not everyone who wants a relationship with someone can have it because of a lot of reasons. Even if we step outside of the erotic parts, not everyone's personalities or temperaments are compatible. Not everyone's traumas or attachment styles allow them to have a safe, secure, happy relationship. Um, What other factors are we talking about? Whatever people's individual levels of work are. Nervous systems, all sorts of stuff really determines what's possible between two people. So again, we're not panicking, it's an expected stage. We're kind of rolling with it, and what I really tell people is, approach it at first as more annoying and frustrating but don't let it be devastating. That's also a general mental health tip is that we want to make sure we're always right-sizing our emotional response to things. Don't accept your first response. We tend to dramatize and catastrophize. Why? Because our brains have a negativity bias. Our brains will always make things more negative. We cannot buy into our immediate experience of things, our thinking and our feeling. Healthy people and mental health is about interrogating and processing what we're thinking and feeling versus getting attached to your immediate responses as though they are real or true. Our brains have a negativity bias they catastrophize and they also are big on making predictions so your brain is making decisions about its experience of the present moment the feelings and thoughts you're going to have about something based on historical stuff it's always bringing the past forward so again our thoughts and our feelings are often not at all rooted in truth or reality so you have to correct it and say listen we're acting like this is a devastating thing or it's a big issue let it be annoying let's crank it down a little bit. That's an important mental health skill, an important relational skill. But again, based on our topic about having lost the spark and wanting it back, that's absolutely how we want to first approach it. If nothing else, (laughs) just take that away from tonight's show. All right, y'all, we're going to come back and talk more. And then, of course, we'll be doing some DMs. So for those that have a question or a topic you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, put it in the DMs on our Loveline, a G page, questions, topics, all that. And then past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Love podcasting. It's all there, as well as a bunch of other shows. Check them out. And you go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. You can binge, post, re listen, and share. Lots of good stuff to unlearn and relearn because, as we're talking about, we've got to really challenge some of that scripting and messaging that we've been uh, socialized with. So stick around. we got a lot more to come about how to bring that spark back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Y'all stick around.
1: Call
3: from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Or a lot.
2: Oh, Rachel, we're back, and we're talking about how to bring that spark back. We're making the assumption that it was there at some point. If not, different show. though there is still a lot you can learn. This is for those that are in relationships, wanna be. Sometimes it disappears. Sometimes it drifts. Sometimes it waters down. And uh, as I'm saying, don't panic. It's an expected and common stage of all monogamous relationships. Let it be annoying, not devastating. As a collective couple, you have to say, "Listen." This is workable. We're going to learn a lot about ourselves through this. This is what happens to all relationships at some point. We can't expect things to always be the way they once were, how we want them to be. And how we manage this as a couple is how we demonstrate to each other our level of trust and commitment. Trust and commitment are always built based on how you deal with conflict and difficult times. And this one is difficult. Don't turn on each other. Turn towards each other around this issue. You are not enemies. It's no one's fault. You are in it together. Bond through this. Turn towards each other. Make it a couple's issue. Can you believe it's gone? We both want it to be there. Let's talk about what we heard on Loveline and how we can bring it back. We're in this together. No one's right. No one's wrong. No one did anything bad. It's a team. Team effort. Let issues like this bring you closer together. And again, you're demonstrating to your other what kind of partner you are and what you're like during difficult times and whether or not you are truly committed and how much trust they can have in you. This is your big moment. Because some couples come into my office panicked, freaked out. And I say to them, all right, you're gonna be here again. Your friends have been here, your parents have been here. Some people stay here most of the time. This is just a phase. Um, we have to allow for it. And that's why even if you're single or in the beginning of a relationship and everything's spicy and fiery and you're like, ah, that'll never be us. Yes, it will. And I hope you can remember some of the things we're talking about and stick it in your back pocket. So again, common expected, not, it's, it's annoying, not devastating. Um, And essentially what the whole theme is going to be and i'm going to give you tips and tricks but don't ever let it go uh it's about the tyranny of letting a romantic erotic relationship become a friendship because we get lazy we don't focus on eroticism and romance we focus on other things Oh, we were worried about the new house we were worried about our jobs we were worried about the kids you know what love and romance don't care they don't care what you're worried about they don't care if you had other priorities all they know is if you don't put time and attention into them they drift and they go like everything else you ignore your plants they die sex is the same way so is romance you ignore it it dies that is just the rules i don't make them you need to check on check in on your plants water them move them around give them different levels of light prune them yes new dirt and soil yes you don't just buy them stick them somewhere and then expect them to just thrive love and sex are the same way you need to give them constant time energy and attention start from the beginning don't ever let it go that's the top thing i can keep saying Keep it prioritized. Your romantic partner is your romantic partner. Focus on the romance. Your erotic sex partner is your erotic sex partner. Focus on that. Make it a resource. Keep it accessible. Keep it familiar. So what does that mean? It means I don't care how long y'all been together. I don't care what's happened to your body shape and size. You continue to flirt. We are staying in the courtship cycle. People think courtship is about getting someone. And once I have them, I have nothing more to do. Going back to my plan example, you think plan ownership is just about getting the darn plan home and sticking it somewhere? No. Is that lighting correct? Have you been watering it? Some plants need water once a week, others twice uh, every other week, some every 10 days. You have to stick with it and work through it. So we are staying in the courtship stages. What does that mean? It means you're doing something erotic or romantic every single day, every day. And they are small, easy things. What would that mean or look like? It means you are always flirting with your partner. You are sexting them, cute things pictures, erotic pictures, erotic statements, erotic thoughts. You are touching constantly. You're driving in the car, hold hands, sitting on the couch, lean up against each other, cuddle, walking through a store, put your hand on their back or hold hands. You're keeping affection, comfortable, confident, accessible, prioritized. So we're flirting, we're sexting, we are touching, we're cuddling, we're kissing. We are, we are continually dating. Don't stop dating. Once we step out, it doesn't always come back or drifts. So right now, again, we're not looking at what to do. We're focusing on how to first be preventative and not let it go. Don't let it go. Keep it a priority, keep it a a, a common occurrence. We know what we need to do to get someone. You don't magically fall into a relationship or a marriage. You find a way to get their attention. You find a way to keep their attention. You find a way to flirt. You find a way to court. You attract. You have to keep doing that. Again, if nothing else, just take that from tonight's show. And I know those that are like, yeah, we already did it. We've been married. The problem is how do we get it back? What about that? I'm like, we'll get there. Right now, I'm just trying to highlight in every way I can. I'm underlining, circling, highlighting, writing it in big, bold letters, putting it in neon. Don't let it go. Keep it a priority. Now, here's the caveat. If you're listening and you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that, that's the problem. Why are you with someone that you don't want romance or sex with? because if they're your primary romantic sexual partner, your husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend, that's what it's about. If you're not interested in that or you don't wanna do that, just be their friend or exit. But we're not keeping people in romantic or sexual hostage situations where we say to them, yeah, you're gonna be my romantic partner, we're gonna be monogamous, but like, I don't really want sex or romance with or from you. No, end, end it, end it, or go work on that deep contempt and resentment because that's not healthy and that's not fair. So this again is the assumption that you are in a healthy relationship where you both trust each other and this was once there and you wanna get it back. If it was never there, that's a different show. If you don't have trust or security in your relationship, that's a different show, go work on that, seriously. You can't do what we're about to talk about in the context of an unsafe or abusive relationship. So if there's verbal abuse, name calling or putting down, exit the relationship. Physical abuse, exit the relationship. Undealt with drug and alcohol mental health issues, exit the relationship. Otherwise, go get some help, you know? So this is for the healthier functioning couples. So we're gonna take a little break, come back, talk more about how to bring the spark back. We're gonna get into the what about if we had it and it's gone. We, we, we've missed the boat about not letting it go. Already happened, it's been years. <laughs> there are some things we can do. Although I always tell people we can't fix everything. I tell every couple I work with, I promise nothing. I, I don't know what you're able to do because it's up to the couples. I don't know what you're able or willing to do. I'll map it out. It's up to y'all. And that's what I'm kind of saying on tonight's show too. So stick around. We're going to be doing some DMs later. So if you've got a question for us or a topic, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes, always over at wearechannelq.com. Otherwise, stick around and we'll be back listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back. We're talking about how to bring the spark back. This is for couples that once had it and uh, now it's scary, anxiety-inducing. It's been a while, drifted, got watered down. And I was saying, don't panic. It's a common expected stage of all monogamous relationships, don't panic. Let it be annoying, but don't let it be devastating. Don't let it tear you apart, turn towards each other, be in it together, be a couple looking out at this issue saying, what are we gonna do? Um, And uh, basically stay in the courtship cycle, which means keep flirting, sexting, romancing. Don't let it go, but for those that did, let's drop into it. The first thing you have to be able to do and, and all of this is us hitting sex, but also relational skills at the same time. You'll hear me combining them, such as this point. The first thing you need to do is communication. You have to be able to say to your partner, I miss sex. That requires your ability to be confident enough to say that, that requires you to have good communication skills where you can be that vulnerable. That requires you to talk about other things that might be getting in the way of it. Because this communication isn't a criticism, it's not an attack, it's saying to your partner, we have an issue. We don't have sex in our relationship anymore. Let's together find a solution. Just like if you had a leak in your roof, that's not anyone's fault. As a couple, you have to say, "How do we fix this?" I'm not mad at you. Um, if we're not going to use it to turn against each other. Together, we look up at it and say, "Let's talk about what's possible." Same thing. You have to first call out that there's a problem, and you both have to agree. If your partner's like, "I'm cool. I don't want sex," you need couples therapy then, because. I want to understand. And I want you to want to understand why your partner has no interest in that kind of intimacy or closeness with you because sex is first and foremost about closeness and intimacy. It is a bridge. It's a resource. It's a tool. Relationships are stronger because of it. What a beautiful experience to have with someone, but a beautiful way to bond. We can't get any closer to anyone than we can during sex. It's all in there. Our body esteem, our self-esteem, our communication skills, our boundaries, our desires, our authenticity, our vulnerability, That's why we afford it to this person that we choose to form a primary committed relationship with. So you have to be able to say, hey, I miss sex. Do you miss it? You both have to be on that same page. And then you have to have even better communication skills and trust because you have to be able to say, let's talk about maybe why it's disappeared or why it's become boring. Now, one of the reasons why it becomes boring is because we'll take off the table, whatever makes you uncomfortable. We'll take off the table, whatever makes me uncomfortable and whatever we'll do. We'll do what's leftover. It's called leftover sex. That's boring. Or we've been fighting too much and it's not safe to try to be close and intimate with sex. Or we hate each other and it's one thing we did that kept us together and now that's not even working. Or we're tired all the time because we're prioritizing things and not prioritizing ourselves, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, et cetera. But it can't be used to turn on each other. It shouldn't be critical. It should be a calm, neutral discussion as to why you think sex is no longer happening. Again, we're staying calm, we're staying loving, and we're staying regulated as we discuss it because the relationship itself and the impact this discussion has on the relationship matters more than getting through the discussion and what the solutions or answers are. That's why it's always relational and sexual. It's both, and we're working on both by working on both. One is working on the other. So this is where I help couples learn about trust, intimacy, and communication by watching and helping them have this conversation because they and only they understand why they might not no longer be comfortable, confident or willing or interested in having sex with each other but that has to be made known. That has to be unearthed. It can't be just one person's journey. You cannot go on that journey alone. You need your partner to be on that journey with you and interested in that journey as well. And if not, we have a bigger issue because your partner does not feel safe, interested or comfortable with you. Maybe they're no longer attracted to you. Yep. That is hard to say, hard to hear, hard to talk about, but that needs to be made known. The answer isn't keep our heads buried in the sand and let's just be roommates and miss out on all these beautiful things and all the stuff that sex affords us because we're afraid to have difficult adult conversations. Don't be that couple. So again, don't let it go. (laughs) Keep it prioritized in a common occurrence. Otherwise start with communication and the ability to sit down as a couple and talk about difficult things. That's why I love the topic of sex. It is very vulnerable and difficult. And if a couple can't talk about sex, then we need to work on talking about difficult things. And this is a beautiful place to start for those that are a little further along or feeling safe, talking about why it's not fun anymore, talking about why we have anxiety, talking about why we've lost interest because this isn't always a one-off. As I said, it's a stage you might find yourself in again, or another important topic that's equally hard to discuss about whether or not we want another child or whether or not we want to reload, who knows? (laughs) You never know. But again, I assess a couple's ability to really have intimate adult conversations based on how they talk about this. So I always make sure sex comes up, even if I'm working with a couple in my clinical practice around things that are completely unrelated, although, a lot of what we see going on in a relationship gets played out also in their sex lives. So everyone has an individually transformative experience around this topic, and also as couple, as a couple. Um, all right, we're gonna come back. We're gonna do some DMs, and then we're gonna get into the uh, the uh, what do they say? Like the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of it all. <laughs> Um, around getting the spark back into your relationship. So, DMs, y'all know how it goes. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline and G page, always anonymous, always confidential. And past episodes of the show, so you can go back and re listen or check out other shows, is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look like for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re listen, and share. Otherwise, stick around and don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: All right, let's see what we got here. This one, sorry, what's going on with my phone? This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Tina. I'm dating this girl named Christine. Been together for two years. Her family has a lot of stuff going on. Her baby has, I'm sorry, her brother has three baby mothers. The other brother is in and out of jail. Mom and dad are still together, alcoholics fight constantly. Love the family. I'm starting to notice that all of our conversations tend to center around the drama and chaos that goes on in their household. When I get home from work, it's always something about what's going on with a family member, constantly getting text. I know it's rude, but I'm feeling drained and I want to talk about it. Is there a nice way to share this? Again, these questions that are, how do I, you just do it by doing it. Is there a nice way? Yeah, by being nice. Be very thoughtful. Don't be attacking. Your partner is not responsible for the drama that's going on in their life. However, you have a right to set a boundary and say, listen, when I'm working or when I first get home, I don't want to listen to something negative or overly stimulating on that level can we just connect first and talk about some positive things and maybe even take a day off from it all because guess what this is also in the best interest of your partner they're probably stuck in it swimming in it hyper focused hyper vigilant i get it. it's a trauma response that's what happens when someone's raised in a chaotic family um but yeah please set a boundary because that's going to help them too and i appreciate what you're saying you're trying to focus on the other things in life and you don't always want to get pulled into someone's drama because it's overwhelming you know it's depleting it's exhausting (sighs) i know how that is but that's why i always say connect before you correct now we're not talking about a correction but we're talking about difficult material connect first always when someone gets home don't flood them with critiques and requests and complaints or something negative focus on connection first when you first reconnect with someone you know focus on like some of the positives I, I always start my therapy sessions that way like hey how was your day how was your week just as a way for me the client to reconnect establish rapport and then we move into the work or the material or the difficulties it's also a good way to help someone learn how to transition back and forth we have to be able to do that because yes there might be sad negative bad things happening but at the exact same time there's always some joyful positive things occurring as well we want people to remember to participate in both and to be able to fluidly transition back and forth It's an important skill. That's part of mental health. We don't deny or illegitimize feelings. We also don't catastrophize or amplify. We sit in the middle and we have to be able to regulate. Self-regulation is about sensitivity, reactivity, and time back to baseline, which means not getting thrown off by everything. And then when you do get set off by something, you crank it down a little bit, and then you're able to chill out very quickly. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, hey, you heard some hard material, transition into something more grounded for a minute, let's say hello, give a hug, let me change, I just got home from work, have something to eat, and then once I'm settled, you can share with me whatever stuff might have gone on in your family. Or maybe you'll say it's a hard day, let's talk about it tomorrow, unless there's an acute crisis that you need my support around, which rarely there is. You could even say, hey, when I'm at work, I want to stay focused on work, but please check in with me. Send me smiles, hearts, cute pictures, maybe even sex to me. But like, I don't want to hear difficult material. I need to stay focused at work unless it's an emergency. And I think there's something very loving in that. And you're doing that for their mental health and your mental health it's an important boundary. And I think they'll benefit from it because we can't always be swimming and living and relating through and around difficult triggering material. And that's what some people do. They they, they live in the drama and the chaos and they need people to kind of um, pull them out of it. But we're not critiquing, we're not attacking, we're not name calling, we're not being aggressive, we're not being dramatic. We're just lovingly bringing that forward and pointing it out. So um, got my full support on that one. And I think it's important for both of y'all for the relationship and your mental health. So. Yeah. These DMs, where do they come from? You ask. Well, they come from the Loveline IG page. Drop your questions in there, whatever you're wondering about. Someone else's as well. Always anonymous, always confidential, unless you put your names in there. And uh, you're, you know, like I said, you're learning, we're learning, we're all taking it in. Um, Also topics you want us to maybe hit, something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. That's where some of these show topics come from. So let us know. want you to get your needs met and check out past episodes always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for love line and click on it. You can binge post, re-listen and share because it's all about the unlearning and then the relearning with some repetition. You know, the quality of your life and mental health is tied to the quality of your practice. we got to be practicing this stuff. So, um, yeah. We are channelq.com, that's where you gotta go. But we got a whole lot more to come, so um, don't even think about going anywhere, and we'll be closing out with some DMs as well, so time still to drop some stuff in there. Stick around, though. We got a whole lot more to come, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline. We talk to Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back, and we're talking about how to uh, keep the spark. We've already said it's a common, expected stage. Don't panic. It's coming for everyone uh let it be frustrating annoying but don't let it be devastating because this is expected it's not a commentary necessarily on the two of you or how you feel about each other things happen things distract us things become less of a priority we develop some anxiety around things don't personalize it um but the first and foremost thing is try to not ever let it go try to keep it a priority then you don't got to do the work of getting back to it but for those that uh you know ship has sailed we are communicating first you have to be able to say openly to your partner I miss sex you have to be able to just say it then you have to be able to say why do we think this has disappeared or become less interesting to us and we're not using it against each other we are not criticizing we are not attacking no one is right nothing is wrong we are as a couple together turning towards each other and bonding as we look outward at this third entity, which is this issue, much like I said, if we had a ceiling leak, no one's at fault, we'd look at each other and say, how can we as a couple fix this, We're in this together, let's use it as a way to connect, let's learn where our work is, um, and then we have to start prioritizing it. You have to actually decide as a couple, we are going to commit to sex, we are going to make time and energy for it. Why? Because we tend to wait until the end of the day or the end of the week to worry about it, and we are zapped from energy. And one of the most important things we need to be interested in sex or a lot of relational stuff is some energy. That's why I'm saying let's not live in burnout anymore. We're giving everything 70% so we have energy left at the end of the day for joy, for fun, for leisure, for sex, for our partners, for our relationships, for dating. We only have so much energy throughout the day. And if you come home depleted, you are not gonna have time or space to deal with your relationship, your family, sex or anything else that's important and meaningful to you. We shouldn't be giving all of our time and energy to work. Work doesn't love you. You die, work will replace you within hours. Work will fire you on the spot. Do what you got to do to get through your job and otherwise put your time and energy into your passions, your priorities, your family, your relationships. That's what you're here for, to find purpose and meaning in your life. So reserve energy for, for sex, for your relationship, for fun. That's why I say give everything 70%. Don't burn out. Don't give everything 100%. That's living in burnout. I work with those people. They're depressed. They're flat. They've lost their relationships. They don't even know what their hobbies are. That is not what we're trying to do anymore. So this is a great way to start to do that. So you are committing and prioritizing sex. Honey, we are going to do this. We are on the same page. This is what we're looking to do. And as a team, you tackle it. But again, you have to be able to talk about it, talk about why you think it might be gone. And then you also have to commit to saying, this is going to become a priority. Even if I have to come home from work early or I have to, What I don't care what you got to do because your interest in prioritizing sex is a communication to your partner about how important they and the marriage or relationship are. And if you're saying to them, this isn't important to me and you're not, and our happiness and your relationship isn't, well then guess what? It should end. It should end. No one should be told that something comes before them. Humans first. So if someone ever tells you, sorry, my job comes first, run, run, run. What they should say is you mean the most. I have to work and I will do my best to prioritize you while trying to do what I need to do at work, but you come first because you're a human. The family does, the kids do, you do. And I'm going to try to demonstrate to the best I can. And we all have to be willing to do that. So that's the commitment you need to make. And we're reserving time and energy for it. There's nothing wrong with planning sex. We plan vacations. And guess what? We are still happy as hell to be there. We still enjoy it. We plan dinners. We plan everything. And that's why it's bizarre. And people are like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to plan sex. You plan your birthday, you plan dinners, you plan vacations. You plan and you still have fun and you still fully show up to it and you still enjoy it. So I don't know why people get so bent out of shape about planning sex. It's called planning fun. We plan fun all the time. We might decide what's for dinner before dinner. Do you, still, do you still enjoy your meal? We plan what movie we're going to see. We buy tickets. We plan the concert. We get tickets weeks in advance. Do you have less fun when you get there? Do you just spontaneously show up to a concert or a dinner or a movie or vacation? No. Sex is no different. That's why I'm always, I call BS when a couple's like, oh my God, it won't be fun if we plan it. Uh, Please give me an example of where that's true. (laughs) It's ridiculous how we do that. It's kind of of like when people say that only penetration is sex. Oh, really? So then your partner can do oral and hand-based sexuality with other people without being a cheater? Oh, because that's sex? Well, then it's sex. And that's my point. We're talking about sex in the broadest sense. We're not talking about penetration or I would say penetration. We're talking about sex, which includes penetration sometimes, but it includes anything erotic you do with your partner. And if you don't think anything outside of penetration is sex, well, then you wouldn't be upset if your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend that you're monogamous with has given handy jays or oral sex to somebody. So think about that. Um, So we're talking about the broadest sense. Okay. So um, let's take, uh, we'll be back and then we're gonna finish covering what to do to bring the spark back, because there's a lot we can do. But as you hear, it's not easy work. It's time and effort, but that's what everything important requires. And if you're not willing to do that, then you need to say to your partner, I'm sorry, you don't mean enough, sex doesn't mean enough, the relationship doesn't mean enough, so that they can decide what they wanna do about that. So this communicates a lot, and this is also how you demonstrate commitment and trust that you're here through difficult times and that they're important and that you'll work through stuff because this is a communication about what they can expect with other difficult things down the road. So show up, suit up and show up as they say. And, uh, later in the show, we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a question for us drop in the DMs on our Loveline on G page, past episodes of the show over at, wearechannelq.com. Otherwise y'all stick around. Cause we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline, Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back all right y'all we're back and we're talking about how to bring that spark back just to do a little recapping but if you want to hear the whole prior show and all of its episodes go over to wearechannelq.com but we've been talking about how it's a common expected stage don't panic let it be a little annoying not devastating turn towards each other so as to bond and get stronger through this because this is how we're demonstrating who we are as a partner what we're like during difficult times so we're building trust based on how we deal with this We are keeping sex on the table always and not letting it go. But for those who unfortunately have not done that, we are communicating and honestly, I miss sex. We are talking calmly and lovingly about why it might've gone or become boring. We are then prioritizing it, we are committing to it, we are reserving time and energy for it. That does not remove the joy or fun from it. We do that all the time with all sorts of things and it's still fun when we get there. You plan your birthday, you still enjoy it. You plan the movie by buying tickets ahead of time, you still enjoy it. Why is sex this magical outlier? And we're not talking about penetration, we're talking about all forms of sex. We have to get over the idea that sex is just penetration. That's part of the problem. Not everyone enjoys it. We can't always do it. We're not always interested in it. We can still have a vital sex life because sex is everything. Otherwise, you'd be in a monogamous relationship saying, do whatever you want. Just don't have penetration. Why, can't, why are you usually not comfortable with all that other stuff? Because that's sex too. Now. The core concept is we are trying to eroticize each other daily. That is part of how we start to recommit to prioritizing it. Every single day you do something that's erotic to re-eroticize your partner, to remind yourselves that you are erotic partners, to begin to build more accessibility to eroticism, to build confidence. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it's small things. Sometimes it's not always these grand sexual gestures. It's sometimes the mini micro things that allow it to be sprinkled throughout the day. You might leave love notes. You might sex, you might text something cute. You might actually have some form of sexuality. You might flirt, touch, cuddle, kiss, talk dirty, something that's romantic or erotic every single day, every single day. It can be sensual. It can be sexual. It doesn't matter. And this is when we start to get creative we start to lean into who we really are again it could be a kiss it could be something with hands it could be mutual masturbation it could be just one person having having something done to them it could be watching porn together there's so many different ways but as i said it can also be romantic or sensual notes flirting Touching. Driving. Hold hands. Walking. Hold hands or lean on each other. On the couch. Cuddle. Put your legs up on each other. Massage your partner. Massage their feet. Massage their hands. When you're sitting at the table, hold their hands and look at them. When you come home, give them a kiss. Leave them a little note. Text them something cute. Send them a song that made you think of them. There's a thousand million billion kajillion ways to do this every single day. Just do one thing every day so that you get familiar doing it, so that you get familiar sitting in that vulnerable, intimate space, so that it becomes something you value, and you build on it. You'll start to push on your edges. You'll start to diversify. You'll start to get more creative. That's part of the work. It's going to be a practice. We start to practice being a romantic or erotic couple, because this is for those that haven't just stayed in that. That's the key takeaway is don't ever drift or let it go, but for those that have, we're going back to and recreating we're normalizing that's for this is for the couples that have that in there now if you're in a high-conflict couple you have to do that work first we don't just drop into this if you're not getting along you don't have you you know you can't have hard conversations you're always fighting address that first in some couples therapy you're not going to be able to just somehow bypass or ignore that and get right to the sex it might be a healthy sign that you're no longer having sex because you don't like each other anymore. You don't enjoy each other. You don't feel safe or secure. You're not really attracted to that person because they're a nightmare to be around. So there is some of this that needs some self-assessment. Are you worth being wanted? What's your personality like? How are you treating your partner if you're mean whiny or a jerk? Yeah. Your partner shouldn't want sex with you. Work on your personality first, get into some therapy. That's huge. That is gigantic. But as I said earlier, we have to be able to communicate. You might need to say to your partner, as hard as it is, it's a hygiene issue. I need you to brush your teeth more. I need you to shower more. Yeah, we have to be able to have those difficult conversations. Sometimes that's the problem. Or or reminding them, you're not nice to me. Because remember, foreplay starts hours, days, or even weeks before we even attempt sex. Whether or not they're kind to you all week long matters when you're trying to have sex. How they feel about you in general matters. What you said to them an hour before matters. So if you're always being loving and kind, you're always engaging in a form of foreplay that sets you up to have a partner that's interested in connecting with you on that level. So ask yourself, do I behave and treat my partner in a way that's worthy of them wanting sex with me? If not, their body and lack of desire is, is, is doing for them what they're not able to say to you because sometimes a lack of sex or lack of interest in sex is a communication of health because they're in an abusive relationship, because you put down their body, because you make jokes and put them down and make them feel bad. Yeah, that is not someone who's creating an environment that generates eroticism or interest in that kind of vulnerability. So you do have to do some self-assessment and again, say to yourself, am I someone who acts in a way that's worthy of someone wanting to have sex with me? And you might be one of those people that has to kind of help your partner get there if they're just somehow magically lost on understanding that concept. But this can only be done in a, co- in a couple that understands and deals and can deal well with difficult conversations. And that's why when couples come to me for sex therapy, I don't just drop right into it. I first do a little couples work. And I want to make sure that they're a strong, solid couple that can tolerate and do this. And I want to make sure that there's no abuse. If so, we work on that first getting rid of the verbal abuse, getting rid of the putting down and name calling, getting them off of the drugs and alcohol that are problematic or whatever's going on. Then we work on what they're prioritizing. We work on reserving time and energy. We start with all that stuff first. got to make sure the house is clean before we can start decorating for the party. You know what I mean? Because if that house needs some sprucing up, cleaning, and dusting, and putting some stuff away, we got to do that first before we start hanging up the streamers and putting the cake out on the table. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, make sure that bed is made and clean before you think we're going to hop at it and do some dirties together. So... That's a metaphor, probably literal for some of y'all, like look around your house. is this healthy even house even clean and erotic? because if your couch is dirty, no one wants to you know throw down on it kind of thing. So sometimes we have to just take in the environment. <laughs> All right, we're gonna talk more about this, so stick around. you're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey we'll be back talking about how to bring back the spark, so don't go anywhere. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion on how to bring the spark back. We were talking about assessing are we treating our partners and acting in a way that's worthy of us being wanted sexually? (laughs) What's our environment like? Is our house a pigsty? Do we need to clean? Cause if your house is smelly and dirty, yeah, that might be impacting it. We have to look at what might be what might be de-eroticizing ourselves, our relationship, our bedroom house hygiene. Are you brushing your teeth every day, twice a day? Are you taking showers? Are you wearing deodorant? If not, that might be part of it. That's not erotic for a lot of people. If it is your thing, awesome. Is the bed cleared and made? Are the dogs out of the bed? Because sometimes it's things like that. Get the dogs out of the the bed. The dogs should not be sleeping in your bed. Let's just call that out. Dogs should not be sleeping in your bed. I don't care what they want. I don't care where they want to sleep. I don't care what's going to be upsetting to them. That's part of the problem too. What are the barriers you need to remove? If there's a dog in your bed or sleeping between the two of you, Move it. And if you don't want to, then you need to look at your partner and say, unfortunately, the dog's comfort means more to me than you and our marriage and our sex life. And then your partner needs to decide if that's acceptable to them and whether or not they're sticking around. Clean your house. Clean your body. Get the dog out of the bed. Start to act in a way that's worthy of being wanted. Start to flirt with your partner. I don't care if you're a man or a woman or non-binary or what you are. Everyone's responsible for initiating sex. We're not doing gender roles anymore where one gender gets to just lay back and be courted. No, no, no. I say to women all the time, you want a romantic marriage, start being romantic. Bring it in. Show your husband what you want. Initiate sex if you want more sex. We're not acting like victims to someone else's behavior. You have to be in a safe relationship also to say to them, brush your teeth. That's some of it. Sometimes that is all it was is we had to help a a partner. I'm sorry to help a Yeah. Help a partner, a patient, get the confidence to say to their other partner, you need to wear deodorant and shower more. That's part of why I don't want sex. We have to have those hard conversations, but we're not panicking. We're letting it be disappointing We're doing our best to not let it go. But if we found ourselves there, we are honestly communicating about missing it. We are as a team working together to reserve time and energy for it. We are going to be eroticizing and romancing each other every single day. And then we get to the honesty part. Sometimes the sex, as I said, isn't worth wanting, but we're not mind reading. You have to ask for the type of sex you want. You're not a victim to the kind of sex you're having. Speak up and ask for it. No one should know what you want. No, no, no. They shouldn't know. Everyone's different. And we're different during different phases of our lives. We change. So we do need to tell our partners what it is we want and we're looking for. As we get more committed, it gets a little more fragile. We get more anxious revealing ourselves. We start expecting mind reading. We have to lean in and share. The other thing is novelty. Newness and novelty are the most arousing things. People fall into patterns and habits because we get comfortable, because of preferences, because we get lazy, but we have to switch it up. When you have sex, where you have sex, what you do sexually, oh yeah, make tweaks and changes. Patterns and habits are what makes sex boring and not worth wanting is the sex you were having even worth wanting. If not, you have to have a new vision of what you're going to do by asking for it, initiating it, making it new and novel and changing your habits and patterns. Small tweaks when, where, what, how, who we have to get familiar vocalizing, making sounds, moving our bodies. We're not holding back anymore out of shame. And then drum roll, sometimes we gotta kink it up by bringing in new novel things. We are all far more kinkier than we allow to be known by our partners. And sometimes we have to seek out things. Go to a sex boutique together. What are things that seem interesting? Things you've never tried, things you feel drawn to. What are some things you've never done that you want? What are some things you fantasized about? Talk about it, seek it out. Sex is far larger also than, like I said, penetration. Sometimes that's why it gets boring. We just focus on penetration to the detriment of all the other dynamic, interesting things that might make it more fun. Fingers, tongues, toys, our entire bodies can be part of our sex lives. But again, we get into habits and preferences because of our anxiety, because of what's familiar, because of shame around our bodies or our partner's bodies, and it starts to get really boring and old. So we're going to push on that. We're going to challenge that. We're going to prioritize. We're going to talk it out because again, it's not just about the sex. It's also about your relationship. And as you do this, your relationship is going to get closer because you're learning how to be more vulnerable because you're learning how to have general conversations that are hard. The way you manage this issue matters as much as just managing it. The way you go about talking about it, processing it, if you're turning towards doing it as a team, then more trust is built, more commitment is shown. That's why this is such a beautiful topic. I welcome this coming into couples' lives because of how much they can learn and grow as a result of it, how much better sex can be. But some people just say, you know, we're just gonna ride it out, keep our head in the sand. That's horrible, bums me out because you're gonna do that around other difficult things too. So let this be your big moment to be a good partner and to really work on your relationship. But we're not panicking. It's gonna happen in different ways. And uh, that's how we kind of go about tackling it. So if you're not in a relationship, but you wanna be at some point, Stick all this in your back pocket because at some point you're going to maybe need to be the higher functioning one that shares all this with your partner because we, we are not learning this anywhere else. <laughs> That's the thing about sex is we got bad sex education. Your friends don't know any better. Your parents don't know any better. Porn's job is entertainment and eroticism. It's not meant to be educating. And TV and the movies certainly don't know. So, um, yeah, let's spread, spread the good news. <laughs> spread the good news and preach it. All right, we're going to come back and do some DMs. So if you got a question for us, put it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline. Stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey.
3: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: All right, y'all, we are back. and Now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: Let's see, we got a good one here. All right. All right, let's see. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Hannah, and I've been seeing my girlfriend, Britt, for a year. I'm just trying to make sure I track this. She lives with her roommate and best friend, Frankie. Frankie's a mess. Always bringing girls home to party. Ugh, always drinking or smoking weed. Okay, which is cool. Britt enjoys it too, okay. Recently, I've been studying a lot and trying to focus and get another job, so I haven't been going over as much as I'd like. Since I've been focusing on me, Britt's been kind of short, kind of standoffish. Usually, she's all on her phone at parties, and now, when I text her, she said she left her phone upstairs or whatever excuses she gives. I trust her, but her behavior's getting a little odd. And I definitely don't trust Frankie. Oh, Frankie. Is there an easy way to address my concern? Oh my gosh. Yes, by just doing it. What do you mean, is there an easy way? Yes, lovingly and supportively. There's really no, that's all. That's, that's it. That's all I got for you. I don't got much else to say. You got to lovingly and calmly say, hey, I'm worried. Can we talk? Don't, don't accuse and don't assume. I read some assumptions in there. You're saying, or whatever excuse she gives. I don't know. Maybe she did leave her phone behind. Let me, let me turn this into a learning moment. We have to get less confident in our thoughts and assumptions. We, we immediately think and interpret something and we just go with it. Our brains are negatively biased. They are They make things more extreme than they are and they tend to be a little self-centered. They make it about us. We have to hold our thinking lightly. We have to learn, every single human being does, how to interrogate our thinking. We have to get better about, is this realistic? What, do I, what data is proving this? Is this correct? Am I being overly extreme? Am I making a lot of assumptions? Cause you kind of are, you have no information to, to, to really prove any of these things, but you're believing your assumptions and your thinking and your judgments. Don't do that instead in a healthy relationship, you check in on your thinking with your partner, you turn to them and you say, Hey honey, I'm sitting here thinking that you're blah, blah, blah. Is that true? And if they say no, you update your thinking, go good to know, heard. We don't don't assume anymore. Hey, you say to your partner, I think you're partying and making bad decisions and blowing me off and ignoring my calls that's what my thinking tells me. Is that true? And your girlfriend will maybe turn to you and say, no, it's not. I actually do leave my phone now. I'm trying to be more present with people. And then you say, thank you for clarifying. I will update my thinking. Because we're only in relationships with people we trust. So we're willing to trust what they tell us. And if we can't trust them, again, as I say, almost every show, our work is on learning how to trust people that are worthy of it or getting out of relationships with people that aren't worthy of being trusted. Because again, we want to modify and update our thinking when it's wrong. We can't buy right into what our assumptions are. They are our assumptions based on our experience. I don't care if your friends all agree. As adults, we go right to the source and we ask them, here's what I'm thinking, here's the story I'm telling myself, is this true? And then we modify and update based on the reality. We wanna live more in reality. So I don't know what the story is. She can tell you, you're gonna calmly ask. Bam, moving on. All right, we got another one, we got time for one more. We'll do a quickie. Hey, Dr. Chris, just met this guy online. Pretty compatible so far, however, every time I try to bring up sex, what I like, what I'm into, it's kind of short in his responses. seems to make him uncomfortable. Oh my God, here's another version of the same question. Is there a less scary way to talk about it? No. I want you to familiarize this individual with getting comfortable talking about sexuality. It's an important part of being an adult. We have to be able to say the words penis. We have to be able to say the word vulva and vagina. We have to be able to say the word sex toy, orgasm. There's nothing wrong with these words. Children can hear these words. Please use these words around your children. Let them understand accurate factual terms for the world that they're living in. Information makes people more confident. Information helps people set boundaries. Information helps children go to their parents and talk about boundaries being you know ignored and, and 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 problematic things happening so your adult partner needs to get familiar with these words so i want you to just start talking more about sex slowly confidently and say to this person it sounds like you're a little anxious sometimes when i bring up sex can we talk about it and then you keep normalizing it and familiarizing it there's no reason don't meet him where he's at keep the bar high and let him raise up and meet you where you're at because if you're going to be an adult in an adult relationship Sex has to be something that we're confident and able to talk about. This person was raised in a family where maybe they were phobic or negative about it and has maybe been in relationships with people who shamed it or shamed him and you have to give them a corrective experience. So be sex positive as hell and don't let any shame come out. All right, y'all, that's our show. We gotta go. We'll be back tomorrow. Join us then. Have a great evening. Be kind to those around you and yourself as well. As As always, thanks for hanging out. Y'all enjoy the rest of your night.